Hallelujah. Glory be to God. My name is Franklin. I'm a servant of God and I'm privileged to serve with the Providence Church. Uh, with all that is going on in our nation, I just thank God that we still have technology, the media where we can carry on with God's Word. Earlier today, we were able to have our usual Bible study from 9.30 to somewhere around 10.40. Um, we did a kind of conference call and through the telephone line. I'm hoping that um, by next week, Sunday, I should be able to, or uh, somebody on this Facebook page, one of the administrators will be able to post the phone number or the website that you can log into so that you can be part of the Bible study um, that we hold on Sunday morning from 9.30 a.m. We did it this morning. It was very successful, and we thank God for that. So without taking much of your time, um, we're going to continue with the series I started on Psalm 23. I had done three series and ended it up, but later we discovered that we needed to do a little more about it. And um, before I start, I am blessed to have a brother with me here. Uh, Brother John, it's just so great that he is here with me, and I want him to please lead us in prayer before we do the sermon. So, over to you, Brother John. Thank you, Franklin. Morning, everyone. Let us pray before Franklin's sermon. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to get together today. We just ask that the Holy Spirit be with us and with Franklin, as Franklin brings your word to us, a word that will enlighten us, will help us, allow that word to soak into our souls, into our spirits, that we may understand everything that you want us to, Father. As Franklin brings a word that touches each one of us in a unique way, in a way that you want us to hear, and that the Holy Spirit allow us to learn what you have in your word, for your word is our guidance, your word is everything to us. And we just ask that the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, just be with us and just guide us this day, and that you just keep Franklin on target and allow him to minister to each one of us as each one of us hears your message, Father. And we just thank you again for allowing us to get together this way, where we can do this online in time, troubling times like this. And we just ask that you bless every one of us, keep us all healthy as we move throughout this day, and just allow us to continue to show the light into the world that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And we do not fear things of this world because we are in Christ and we have the Holy Spirit within us, guiding us, helping us, and showing us that there is a future for us with the Lord in heaven. And that right now we are just temporary people wandering through this earth, just being here to show other people that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior and to help them learn about Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory be to God. So today we're going to be talking about um, when the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies or in my enemy's presence. Psalm 23 verse 5. We're taking the first part of it. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Then you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We're taking the first part, which is, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I often wonder why God would do that when I read Psalm 23 until I started doing a deeper study into the scripture. 
You see, the Lord now, according to David, becomes like your host. He's not just the shepherd, but now David sees him as a host, also as a shepherd. So we're dealing with how God is our host, how God can be also our shepherd, and we remain his sheep. He says, the Lord now prepares the table before me. But right before me, while I'm there with the Lord hosting me, or while you are there with the Lord hosting you, you are surrounded by your enemies. So the Lord is your shepherd, like we said. My shepherd, he understands exactly what you need. He knows you personally. So he says, he prepares this table before you. But it is before your enemies, which means your enemies surrounds you. So what are your enemies? Your enemies could be fear. It could be insecurity. It could be sicknesses of any and every kind. It could be failures. It could be guilt. It could be unforgiveness. It could even be sin. It could be betrayals. It could be the past that is haunting you. It could be negative things that are still in your heart, holding you bondage. It could be setbacks. It could be poverty. What are the enemies of your life or the enemies of your soul? The scripture says when the Lord prepares the table before you, it is in the presence of all these your enemies. Why would God do that? God allows your enemies to be in your presence because the enemies have no power over you. Your insecurity has no power over you. Your guilt has no power over you. Even death itself and Satan and all his demons from the pit of hell has no power over you. They are in the presence, your presence. But even at that, God prepares the table before you. Let me tell you what the scripture says about this. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15 says, When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins Having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. So the enemy surrounds you. But they have no power. God has nailed all their powers to the cross. We are living a victorious life, a life of triumph, no matter what the problem is, no matter what surrounds us. But there is a glitch here. If you are before the Lord Jesus, who is your host, and you are surrounded by enemies, the question is, where do you keep your mind and your heart and your focus on? Because the reason why Jesus would do that publicly before them 
is because in the ancient times, the king sometimes when he wants to host the people who are closest to him, he will have a banquet, but he will do it outside the palace. And they'll have other people around the community or the society or the nation just watching who is going to be the guest to the king. The guests to the kings are the most important people to the king. So Jesus is doing it, letting every of your enemy know that you are important to him. He cares about you. He loves you. He's preparing this table. He's nourishing you in their presence. Because you are very, very important to Jesus Christ. In the presence of your enemies. Jesus says in John chapter 16 verse 33. I have told you these things. John 16 verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you will have what? Peace. In this world you will have troubles. But take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. So you still see the enemies of your heart, the enemies of your soul, the enemies of your mind, the enemies of your relationship, the enemies of your health, they still surround you. But Jesus says, take note of this. I have overcome all of them. They have no power. Over you. Keep your eyes focused on me. I remember when Edda Dave hosted me and my family during the Thanksgiving. We were on the table. They were sitting on the opposite side. We had a conversation and we had our eyes on each other. I knew I was invited because he was there and I was talking with him. You see, when you allow the troubles around you, if you allow them be your focus, You will lose sight of the host, Jesus Christ. That's what he is saying. That's what David is saying to you. If you look at um, Matthew chapter 14 from verse 28 to 29. Matthew 14 verse 28 to 29. Remember, Jesus said to the disciples, go over to the other side. They went into the boat and they were leaving and there were waves in the sea. Suddenly at that time of the night, before early in the morning, They suddenly looked and they saw somebody coming in like a ghost and they were scared. Jesus said, do not be afraid, it is me, Jesus. He said to the disciples and Peter said, Christ, if it's you, bid me to come. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 14 verse 28 to 29, Peter said, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water, and came toward Jesus Christ. He began to walk on water. Why? Because he had his eyes fixed on the Savior. But what happened? As soon as he took his eyes off the Savior and started looking at the sea, started looking at the waves and the wind, he began to sink. Until he called him and said, Jesus, help me. And Jesus stretched out his hand and helped him. So every time we take our focus, our eyes away from God, we become distracted by the problems that surround us and we begin to sink in the problem. Not because the problem has power over us, but it depends on who you are focused on. You focus on the problem, you lose sight of Christ. You focus on Christ, the problem diminishes. That is one lesson I have learned. 
The second lesson I have learned is about the story of the shepherd. So David began to speak about himself as a shepherd. He says, what happens is that whenever it is after the winter, at the end of winter, he goes ahead to the place they call the tableland. That's the area that he wants to take his sheep to. In that place, there will be a little pasture coming up. So what does he do? They carry salt and mineral. When they go there, they spread the salt and mineral on that tableland. That's where he's bringing the sheep in that springtime. So they will have a place of nourishment. But something happens. The shepherd do not just spray the salt and uh, the minerals so that they can come and graze. The sheep can come and graze. No. He first of all begin to scout around. He goes around the whole area and begin to look for the predators. He's looking for the lions. He's looking for the bear. He's looking for the wolves. Everything that he knows will come and attack, kill, or destroy the sheep. When he finds them, he kills them or he chases them away. One of the things that he is so serious about is the snake called the adder. There are holes around and the adder goes into the hole. So what happens is that when the sheep come to this place to, to graze the tableland, the adder comes up from the hole and bites the sheep, either killing the sheep or infecting the sheep. So what does the shepherd do? He pours an oil into the hole. That oil will make sure if there's an adder, it either irritates the adder and makes it run away. Or if the adder tries to sneak out from the hole to kill the sheep, it will be so slippery, it will not be able to work out for the adder. That's what the shepherd does to protect the sheep before he brings them into that table land. So the scripture says here that the Lord, our God, who is our host, he prepares the table before me or before you. Before you, which means he goes ahead of you. He's gone ahead of you to prepare this place, which means he's gone ahead of you at this time where you are a Christian to make sure that as you become the son of God, the daughter of God, that no power of the enemy can destroy you. Nothing that you see around you can destroy you. He had already destroyed them all. Um, John chapter 10 verse 10. John chapter 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes to only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and that you will have it in full. So the shepherd makes sure that when the sheep come there, they can graze, they can nourish, and they can have life, uninterrupted life from the predators. So this is the picture that David sees about Jesus, our Lord God. That when he prepares the table before you in the presence of your enemies, he has already destroyed the powers of the enemies, their power over you. So none of them can take your life. Your life is in God's hand and your life is supposed to be in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. Nothing can destroy your soul with God. Another thing I discovered about this scripture is that when the shepherd had gone ahead to prepare for the sheep. Now, understand one thing. It's a place where it's going to be a place of nourishment. So, it says, my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So, the Lord knows my need. The Lord knows your need. So, the Lord knows that before you came to earth, 
The enemy of your soul have prepared that you will not make it into his kingdom. For you to be condemned forever and be thrown not just to hell but to the lake of fire. So God understands our need. So he goes and he prepares before us. That table, the place of nourishment, the place that feeds not only our heart but our soul. Things that we need in our life for us to live forever and ever gloriously in his kingdom. Uninterrupted by sadness or pains or any virus or sickness or any depth or any memories of guilt of the past. Nothing else on this world that causes pain will be present. He knew that we needed to be fed with his righteousness, with his presence, so that we don't experience these things in our lives. So what did he do? The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be what holy and blameless in his sight. The same way he goes ahead to prepare the place of nourishment for the sheep. He went ahead before we were created to prepare this life for us. He went on the cross. He died to the penalty of our debt. So that when we come in here, we can accept him as Lord and Savior. Then we will have righteousness. We will have his holiness. Then we can be completely and forever reconciled to God the Father. That's one other thing I understand about the scripture. Then the other thing is this. That is about my life. Now he prepares this table in the presence of my enemies. I have no fear of my enemies because I know they are powerless against me. But then there is a reason why God also will prepare the table before your enemies. Sometimes we misinterpret the scripture and we'll feel like it is a show off. Now I have arrived. God is doing so many great things in my life. So now that things are moving on in my life, I'm going to show my enemies that they are below me. Now that I have been promoted, I am going to suppress those who are under me because when I was with them or under them, they were like above me and they were suppressing me. That is not what the scripture is saying. It says it prepares this table with the Lord's presence. He's promoting you. He's elevating you. He's healing you. He's making everything work out for your good in your enemy's presence for you to be a witness and a testimony before your enemies. I've been through that. I never understood this part of the scripture until later in my life. I always use my life as an example of one who's gone through pains, of one who felt that the Lord wasn't present with me. I could give two examples where I tried to help somebody and I had a cop show up. And he lied about the situation and I stood up for what was true. And all he did was to file so many things against me that would have sent me to jail. But I thank God I didn't go to jail. Because I didn't know how I was going to survive in jail. And that wasn't that bad enough. As if it wasn't bad enough, I had worked in a place where I was so comfortable only to find my staff gang up against me, testify against me, and not just destroy my life or destroy my career, even wanting to send me to jail also, messed up all my records. 
And I cried to God. I said, God, you got to save me in this. And God did not save me. I cried. I said, God, why? And God did not answer me. I didn't know that even in the midst of the trial and the pains and the betrayals that I suffered in that midst of the hurt. Because at that time, my wife was pregnant. I was losing my insurance. My dad just died. I had to go bury him. There were so many things happening. I had to pay my bills. My wife wasn't working. I said, God, why? But for me, I later discovered that in that place where my enemies gathered, the Lord already prepared a table. I was in my table. What God saw was different from what I was seeing. But I thank God in all that I went through. God was with me because he was my host. He was ever present there. They could not destroy my soul. Today, when I look back on my life and I see where I am today, a beautiful family, having a wonderful time, being back in the ministry, seeing where God has placed me and seeing what lies ahead of me, the hope that I have, the future that I have. When I look at my present, I say one thing for sure. God, you bring in my enemies to surround me. Why? Because you want me to be a testimony. They think I would have lost sleep. They think I will lose my health. They think I will lose my peace. They think I will not serve you anymore. But glory be to God, I am serving Lord much more now than I was even before it happened. So those people were used for my good. They are not my enemies. For them, they think they are my enemies. For, for me, they are not. They were just the instruments that were used to elevate me to the relationship I have with Christ right now. I say this today because I don't know who knows any of them. Or if any of them is going to hear my voice, for them to know they should not suffer any guilt. They should not think I will never forgive. It doesn't matter whether they go to tell the truth and change and bless me or, or change my record. I don't care about that. All I know for sure is this, that the Lord loves them. The Lord Jesus loves them and I love them. They are not my problems. My eyes is fixed on the Lord. They are there surrounding me to see the grace of God upon my life so that I will be a witness to tell them that if I can love them, it is because Jesus loves them. I can forgive them because Jesus forgave them. And what they hate me about because of my relationship with God is the reason why I am like this, why I can forgive, why I can love them. So they are going to meet me someday, somewhere, not for me to bring them to guilt, but for me to show them the way of salvation, to hug them and tell them how much I love them. So I am the one who is set on this earth to witness to them. That is why God will allow them to put me through all this. So that when I see them, I will not be filled with bitterness or hatred. I will show them love and direct them to his kingdom. Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11. Ezekiel 33 verse 11. He says, say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? That's what God says. God takes no pleasure in their death. And I don't because I'm a child of God. I understand how my father feels about them. 
That's why I can forgive. And that's why I love them. And I pray they hear the sound of my voice to know how much I really love them. And I want everyone to be saved. Then another thing I understood from the scripture. Where he prepares the table before me. In the presence of my enemies. You know, I, I, I ran into somebody when I worked in the state correction. And he had, he was on life imprisonment. And, and I had pity for him. But he had no pity for himself. He was a born again Christian. And he began to testify to me. He said, this is the place where God wants me to be. He said, outside this prison wall were a lot of things that drew me away from Christ. Outside the prison wall was so much drugs that I was addicted to. Was my wickedness. That was where I was into everything that is of disobedience to God. Drunkenness was there for me. My life was away from God. If I was outside this world, maybe I would have killed somebody or somebody would have shot me and I would have been dead. He says, yes, I made a mistake. I committed crime that they put me here. But this is where God wants me to be. And I'm giving glory to God because in here I found Christ. In here I became regenerated. In here I can clearly say I have the joy of salvation. And in here the gift that God has given me as an evangelist, I am witnessing to the people around me. Outside the world that surrounds me is everything that will bring defeat in my life. Everything that will draw me away from the grace of God. You know what Apostle Paul says in his own way? He says, uh, now I want you to know Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. Philippians 1, verse 12 to 13 says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So sometimes where you are may not be as, as blissful as you want to be, want it to be. But if you are where God wants you to be, He is going to use you in that place to overcome every of the enemy. Let it be enemy of insecurity or human enemy, even enemy of addiction. He will use you in that place not only to overcome it, but to bring people who are going through the same addiction, same insecurity, same problems of sin, same bondage of sin, to bring them to the saving grace of God. Then finally, in Matthew chapter 22 verse 14, this is another one. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 11 to 14, we see that the king invites people for a banquet. And when he sends the servants to go and invite them, he invites people who are the notable people, the people of the high status. A lot of them refuse to come. Because this is the lost table we are talking about. And the beautiful thing about the lost table is that everyone is invited. He died for the sins of everyone. So the fact that he says he makes me means that he makes all that he has created. He wants all of them. He wants everyone to come to his table. 
But the problem is not everyone will listen to his voice. Not everyone will respond to the call. Have you responded to the call? In Matthew chapter 22, verse 11 to 14, it says, But when the king came to see the guests, those who were already there, they were guests. He says, But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding clo- wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many have been invited, but a few are chosen. Mm. This is where I'm rounding up. Many are invited, but only a few are chosen. Many are invited. Everybody is invited to the Lord's table. The question is, have you accepted the Lord as your Lord and Savior? Have you have, have you one day come to the point where you look at your life and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I hear the message that you died for my sin. You bore my sins, Lord, that I will not bear it anymore. And you forgive me all my sins, Lord. Father, thank you for what you've done for me. Today, I am accepting you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me all my sins. That was what happened. I am not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about reading the Bible. I'm not talking about just listening to the sermons. These people were in the feast. But somehow this man was not wearing his wedding clothes. It means that these are people who go to church regularly. They follow the church doctrines. As laid down by the denominational norms. They serve. They do all the church wants them to do. But they never really have a relationship with Jesus. I grew up like that from the Episcopal Church. I did. I did the confirmation. I I, I did my baptism as a child. I did Bible readings there. We did drama. We were there in church every time. But I never knew that I was never born again. There was no time that I said, Jesus, Lord, forgive me my sins for now I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I followed every rule they had in the church. But I had no relationship with Christ. I was not the child of God. I wasn't saved. So I ask you this question. Have you come to the point in your life where you know that you need Jesus? Not just the church building. You need Jesus, not just taking the communion, because I used to take communion. You need Jesus. If you're at that point, especially in this time where we're going out through this pandemic in America and all around the world, are you afraid? Are you scared of your today and tomorrow? The enemy is bringing fear. 
But with Jesus, you need not have fear. You cannot be afraid when you know what lies ahead of you. When you know what your tomorrow is. When you know God's plans concerning your life. When you know that if you stop breathing right now, you are in the best place, not just a better place. With him in his kingdom. When you know that coronavirus can never destroy you. When you know that death itself has no power over you. When you know that there is no sickness or diseases, either on earth or in heaven or the pit of hell or in the sea or in the grave or in the forest, wherever or in the desert. That none has power over your life. Well, you know that nothing can destroy your soul. And even if your flesh goes to the grave, it's going to come back to life again. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Be afraid. I have no fear. Because I know who holds my future. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 to 57 says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 to 57. It says, Oh, death. Where is your sting? Oh, grave. Where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, glory be to God. I, I, I rejoice with you. Welcome to the family of God. And I just want to encourage everybody. Today is declared by the President of the United States, President Donald Trump, as a national day of prayer. Irrespective of who you are, where you are, your, your, your denomination, or whether you believe or you don't believe, or your political affiliation, or your race, it doesn't matter. The president recognized that God is in control and that the coronavirus has no power over this nation. So let us come together in prayer today and agree with him. And in the mighty name of Jesus, I am marking this March, this month March, that this issue of the fear of coronavirus will end this month in the name of Jesus. It will end this month in the name of Jesus. It will not go over to the next month. Every fear will be destroyed. And the love of God, because God gives the spirit of love, not fear. You will have sound mind before the end of this month. Not just that, you know you already have sound mind right now. But the nation will have a sound mind. They will have peace over the situation. This month, March, it will not go to April. I declare in the mighty name of Jesus. Because I know the God that we serve. So this is the message for today. He prepares a table before you and me in the presence of our enemies. The enemies around you have no power over your life. Hallelujah. Amen. So I just want to pray, always like we pray for Israel, that the Lord will protect Israel. The Lord will provide for Israel. The Lord will guide Israel. The Lord will continue to lead Israel. For the scripture says, whoever blesses this nation will be blessed. And I pray for our nations in the mighty name of Jesus. This too shall pass. 
And in the name of Jesus, I speak by the authority in the name of Jesus that this is a past thing. Coronavirus is already defeated in the name of Jesus. And from tomorrow, we're going to be hearing the songs of victory. Every single day. It's only going to get better and better and better. It will never get worse. I'm praying for all those who are going through unseen circumstances. Circumstance they never saw it coming. I pray that God will comfort them and give them the courage to stand in Him and with Him and see what He is doing in this time. I'm praying for the Providence Church. My God will protect you. My God will always make His face to shine upon you. Your going and your coming back will be blessed. When the sun rises, you will be blessed. If the moon shows up, you will be blessed. Even in the darkest hour, you will be blessed. And I'm blessed in this nation, America, and all those in authority. I pray for God's love and peace upon this nation. I'm praying that at this time, people will get to know God more. That instead of this separating us from God, it will bring us, it will reconcile us more to God in deeper relationship. And I pray for wisdom over our leaders. I pray healing upon those who are sick even this moment. And I pray that everyone begin to see the hope that we have in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. So like I said, every day from tomorrow till the end of this week, as early as 4 o'clock in the morning, I, I will arise and I will just take a few minutes and pray over the people of the Providence Church and over this nation by the grace of God. And on Friday again, 9.30, no, 9 o'clock, 9 p.m., I'll be live doing the Bible study on the book of James. Then on the Facebook page here, we're going to put out the information on how to join the 9.30 Bible study next week Sunday. I don't think we're going to have church service gathering next week Sunday. Okay. So, But if anything changes, we'll pass the message along um, the line to you. So always remember that I love you so much, but Jesus loves you much more. God bless you all. Amen.